This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, it's Lols here. Uh, before we get into today's podcast, I just want to send out some mega love to Victorians and Melburnians being in stage four and stage three lockdowns. I know that mentally it can be a really tough time for people. I have been seeing my therapist very regularly, as has the boss, and I just want you to know that it's totally okay to feel flat, um, to feel like you're not being productive enough, and it's absolutely okay to ask for help. So I do urge you to please ask for help if you need it and I think the energy in Victoria now is a little bit flat so yeah just sending out mega 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 love today's guest Kate Kendall now she's a Sydney yogi and we actually recorded this podcast in real life but last year because we were both teaching at Wonderlust Festival together for those of you that do not know Kate Kendall she is co-founder of Flow Athletic in Sydney I actually taught there when I lived in Paddington around the corner from it. She's also got a Ripper Yogs book called Life in Flow. She's a new mum to Smidge. <laughs> her, her daughter's name is Alice, but she calls her Smidge. Um, but the cool thing really about this episode is Kate is so open. We have a long-standing friendship, so she really went super, super deep. She opened up about dieting, about burnout, but she did go quite um, into the depths of eating disorders stuff so just a trigger warning there um if you've had an eating disorder this might um bring up some stuff for you and big thank you and big big love for the incredible i call her kk but um kate kendall you're wonderful and thank you so much for being so brave on today's podcast this is kate kendall aka active yogi if you follow on Insta, which definitely jump on board. We were just saying because we have a friendship and we know each other quite well, we're almost throwing the paper away and mm-hmm. I'm a Virgo. I make notes. I get really, like, soak up this. But I just I get a bit too OCD with it and I'm relinquishing all control here and I just want this to be a chat with two mates about real shit. Mm-hmm. P.S. You can swear. No rules. Fuck yeah. Yeah, drop an F-bomb right at the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> no mucking around with you. Okay, for people playing at home, basically I'm going to give a quick rundown of who you are and what you do and I'm sure I'm going to miss things, so feel free to be like, lols, you sold me short. Mm-hmm. So director, co-founder, co-creator of Flow Athletic in SIDS, am I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. And that's, do you say, nearly seven years old? Yeah. Awesome. Um, I also used to teach there when I lived in Pado. She did. She was a guest teacher. <laughs> loved it. I loved every second there. You are an author, Life in Flow. Mm-hmm. You also had a, was an online program, The Space Between? Mm, still there. And that's about more about meditation or yoga? It's a four-week program designed to help you slow down. Oh, I love. Mm. Passionate about Vedic meditation. Mm-hmm. Mama Bear to Smidge mm. or Alice, mm. whichever name you'd like to <laughs> use today. And she's about one. She's got turned one, hasn't she? Yeah. Coming up to 14 months. And 
about the book, I quickly just want to touch on this because it's available now in all good bookstores, Life in Flow. I like the way there's this little line, I think it was at the very start, living yoga on and off the mat. So even if you don't do physically yogs, it's kind of like not self-help but like a little bit of a guide to take that like your energy is very mm-hmm. like calm and gentle and beautiful. We were just testing the mics and I sound like a bear <laughs> like with my loudness and you're this like really like well, what's something that's like really gentle and gorgeous and calm. I don't know what to describe. Some kind of like animal that's just like so meek and sweet. Mm. Mm. I've got you fooled, I think. I've got everyone fooled. So there's so much we can talk about. Mm. Um, but oh, yeah, living a yoga off the mat. So that's, the, I guess, the book of the whole thing is, you know, we know by now that yoga isn't just <clears throat> what we're doing on the on the four corners of our rubber mm. mat. We can take it with us. And really the asana and the physical postures is just one tiny, tiny little bit of what yoga is. Really, yoga is a way of life and it's um, a lifestyle. So, yeah, in the book it's it's suggested ways for living this really kind and compassionate um, and warming way off the mat. I love it. P.S., if you can hear clanking in the background, we're at the beautiful Cafe in Alexandria. But we are quite close to the kitchen. It's kind of mm-hmm. lunchtime. Mm-hmm. So if you do hear a bit of chat, chattering or clanking. It smells like chips and gravy in there. Is that the smell you reckon? yeah. Oh, I didn't pick that. Didn't pick up on that. Good on you. I love that, by the way. Um, and I love the way you just said yoga is just one part. Like even in the is it the eight limbs of yoga, the asana, so the physical poses are one tiny chunk, one mm. of the eight. Mm-hmm. So there are seven other parts yeah. that don't you know that there's not studios around the seven other parts really. Mm. Uh, so I think I like that. I think also about yoga, though, and you'll probably tell me if I'm wrong, it's like a chance people dip their toe into all the other stuff that yoga can offer, but mm-hmm. the physical is often what gets you there. It's like the yeah. bridge. It's like the gateway for sure. That's definitely what got me into yoga because I hadn't done yogas for ever, ever. I'd never done it when I first got into it. I wanted to get into it because it, I thought it would give me longer, leaner limbs. It would make me look good because I hadn't been exercising for a couple of years. I wasn't in a great place. You know, I was on antidepressants. I was really depressed. And um, I really didn't get into it for that, though. It was more for the physical. And after that very first class, I just remember walking back to my apartment in Bondi. So the studio was in North Bondi. I was walking. You've to taken kind of me to this studio. Is it called Dharmashala? Yeah. Dharmashala. Yeah. We've gone together. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty <laughs> special place. And I was walking home and I remember stopping in my tracks and just feeling really emotional. Mm. And I, I don't think the feelings were necessarily like high vibes or anything, but the main thing was that I was feeling something because for so many years I was just numb. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like is it the yoga? Is it all the breathing? Is mm. it the stretching? So I decided to go back. And, yes, really quickly it changed my body for sure. You said in a month you noticed massive changes in your body. And and after a month I came off my antidepressants. That was That's how fast. Yeah, for for me that's that's it wasn't easy coming off them, but it was yoga was the the physical was the change agent that I needed. You know, the mental stuff was just from the get-go I really noticed that stuff was gold. 
and it's still, you know, that yoga still is my, my medicine, but, um, you know, a lot of the other practices around it as well. Just before finding yoga, and I only know this because I've been reading and researching you and I was just saying I'm a bit OCD and nerdy with the podcast, and when you spoke about before that first ever class and being on antidepressants and you the, you described as being constantly in a state of dullness. Mm-hmm. What was that? Like what was that like? What was that? How did that feel? Nothing. You don't feel anything. My experience with it was that I didn't experience any highs and I didn't experience any lows. Mm. I was just in this really like meh. Mm. Meh's a good way. Meh, nothing. Constantly in that place. And there was just something inside me that had just shut down and I think it really kind of started back in high school, um, which is, I guess, my first big failure if you if you do you want me to talk yeah, about please, that please please so yeah really the, the feeling of meh really stemmed from them because then because when I was about <clears throat> oh year nine how old mm. are we in year nine like 15 yeah. 16 yeah I up until that point I was always you know friends with everyone I went to boarding active. school active yeah. I was you know really good hockey player, really good swimmer, water polo, mm. just like anything that I applied myself to, I, I nailed. Like mm. I was really good at really athletic. And then about that age of year nine, I decided that I just wasn't enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't good enough. I was comparing myself to um, another person in particular. Mm-hmm. And when I look back on it, it's like it's not that person's fault or it's just like a silly teenage thing that you make a decision at one point. I'm not good enough. And so I thought that I could be better or accomplish something from what I can work out, and I've done that much work on myself, Mm. is that that. (laughs) I could accomplish something by starving myself. So I did that and I was fucking good at it. In fact, I don't think I've ever been so disciplined as Mm. when I was anorexic. There's, uh, and I'm not to take away from you, but um, I heard an interview with Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker and he had to lose heaps of weight. Mm. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel and they said, how did you go losing all of that weight? Because he looks anorexic. He looks so skinny and lean Mm. in it. And he said, he turned around and he goes, it was so easy. He said, for the first week you've got low energy. And he said, then you get as soon as you get closer and closer to the goals, Mm. he said this like wave of control comes over Mm you. And he said... He said, "I became more disciplined, and 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 it, like I became more almost obsessed mm-hmm. with it. And 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 I can, when you say that, I can understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never counted calories. I never, I was never like that. It was just, it was almost a competition with myself each day. How can I get better at this? Oh wow! So what would a day look like eating wise mm. then? Uh, I've got a pretty fast metabolism anyway, so I think I'm still eating three meals a day, but they were, like, minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't even tell you what it was. It feels like so long ago. But I do remember one day, I do remember one day I went the whole day without eating and I was, like, I couldn't even walk up the stairs. Mm. Like, I was just that exhausted. Mm. Um, and obviously it became really obvious Um 
even though I wasn't with my parents because I was at boarding school. Mm. You know, my parents lived five hours away. I was really lucky that, you know, we live in – we I grew up in this really small country yeah. town, famous for apples, called Batlow, <laughs> and really lucky that my parents worked really hard to send me to boarding school, which I absolutely loved. Mm. It was nothing about being at boarding school. Um you know, the headmistress obviously noticed and friends. So it wasn't until I saw my mum when I came out of class one day and thought, oh, she hasn't done a five-hour road trip just for fun. She took me off to hospital. They diagnosed me. So I kind of, I was like, okay, i got to do something about this. What did they diagnose you with? With anorexia. Okay. And I guess because I had so many eyes on mm. me. Well, first of all, that's, I think that's a, a really, that was... Deciding that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't enough mm. was probably my biggest epic failure. But, you know, we talk about failures on this podcast mm. and I think you'll agree. It doesn't feel right to call it a failure because you've grown and learned so much. Everything's on purpose. Totally. And that's, Everything. that's why this exists. Yes, it's we call it failing, but it's actually like the biggest gift for mm-hmm. yourself. Like if you didn't learn the lesson of self-worth or not being enough or not loving yourself or those things like who knows what path you might like the the theory is yeah you gotta you fail but Mm. you learn something epic from that Mm -hmm. and it sounds like the part of your story you're up to is though you were kind of in the thick of this yeah and also maybe from a yogic point of view I might think of these little moments of failures more like karma whether you know I karma from a past lifetime or a few lifetimes ago or early on into, who knows mm. that's the mystery of mm. life right so I had all these eyes on me at school okay we've got to watch her make sure she's well and so then I started to get really secretive about it and it mm. turned into bulimia mm-hmm. and you know you and I've had so many chats about this mm. and it still gets my heart a little bit because I guess what I feel so sad about is that you know we're given this beautiful body mm to look after and you know this gift of athleticism and to look back and see myself make that decision and do do that self to myself do that to myself Lola's are really bringing it out in me guys um oh, this is all you're very courageous very um courageous. yeah that that makes me feel sad you would have been how old though at this age 15 so 14 like all I don't want you to ever blame yourself mm. for that because, like, although, yes, you got lost on your path and, yes, that was a coping mechanism and let's just put it into perspective for a sec. Anybody that has an eating behaviour, let's mm. call it, and then all of a sudden there's eyes on you and you're not ready to let go of that mm. yet, it's mm. it's not. It just morphed. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It's a, to me that sounds like a natural pro- progression mm. without like sitting in and facing. I mean, to sit in and face an eating disorder at 17, like mine didn't even develop until I was 23. Mm. So I can't imagine mm. how at that, do you know what I mean? Like you don't even, I don't think we know who we are till like 30, mate. God, I'm still working. Same, <laughs> but I mean like imagine then, like that's what I'm saying, don't. Yeah. I know you say like it feels like a failure that you were doing that mm. to your body. Mm. And I understand that and I can see how you would feel that, but please mm. don't beat yourself up because... <sighs> One, I've been friends with you for so long and I've seen the way that you are so open and honest, definitely with me, about this. So first of all, 
mate, you've done very well today. But the second thing is like you've consistently been working on, like consistently mm. over your entire lifetime, yeah. you've worked on the, the idea of not being enough, being coping mechanism with stress, you know, like and when burnout comes, triggers come on up. Like I'm, I will still say to my boyfriend, I'll be like, oh, I'm having a funny day with food today. And that's totally fine. I'm 34. <laughs> and isn't it so good to talk about it? Because oh. that became my problem, not talking about it. All eyes are on me. How can I hide it? How can mm. I still have this thing that I can control and be good at? Mm. So it became secretive. Um, and, you know, with bulimia a lot of the time, it's not something that makes you super, super skinny anyway. Um, mm. So I guess that was, you know, I, I kind of hit it very well. And not talking about it, though, was probably the worst thing Um and that's that I think that contributed to feelings of numbness. Um, totally. Not going back to why I was in that space of feeling numb anyway, because you're not expressing, you're not talking, you're just bottling it all up. And then when you feel like you've bottled it all, to, all up too much, there's a purge, there's a release. Totally, you're literally it's, spilling it's it still, out. Yeah, secretive. Mm. Were you so, taking laxatives as well? Uh, no. So you were always more the purge the other mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I've got a bit on the laxative boat because when you're not eating much, you're obviously not mm-hmm. pilling much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I I got sucked into the and I just wondered because we've never spoken mm. ever about that. So how did you go from like being <clears throat> in this space of, okay, I can still control this thing, I'm still really good at it, mm-hmm. I'm just now hiding it from people. Mm-hmm. How did you go from that to then d- did you find that it changed when you spoke to someone or? Yeah, and look, it, it was on and off for a long time and then, you know, even more recently, I'm talking like in the past five years when yeah. I started talking about it um, more and, and, you know, I, you and I had big conversations yeah. about it. We went it. to Uluru together. We had big conversations <laughs> around it. Yeah, that was a really special time. And so I've been really lucky enough that talking about it more has healed and I can't mm. express how important that is. Like anyone listening to this who struggles with any kind of eating disorder, mm. you've got to talk about it. You've got to express it. You've got to... You know, you might want, you might, might not want to do it publicly like I am, right? <laughs> but talking about it just make, the bar. <laughs> makes it feel a little less um, shamey. And I think also having a daughter um, mm. and having someone that you just want to set a really good example for as well helps um, helps a lot. But yeah, I think look, I think that started me off on this trajectory um, of not speaking my truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, once I started doing the yoga, that definitely helped to lift lift the fog a little bit and I could feel more of a range of emotions. Got it. Would you um, – oh, I just had what I was going to say. I was looking at you and I kept sa- like going to cut you off and say, hang on, hang on, it's going to come, it's going to come because it was about this – ED stuff. I don't know why I'm calling it ED. It's because it's in my notes as, oh, got it. Um, did you find that obviously you also, and not to jump around too much, but I generally do it, these listeners are all used to it, uh, when you say you're in high areas of stress in your life, be it good stress, i.e. opening an incredible but ginormous mm-hmm. health and fitness space, uh, Then we, so you're doing this thing, you're like go, 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 go. I remember you didn't stop. Like mm. your feet never hit the ground. We'd have like a little like coffee or green juice date downstairs and then you'd be like, i got to go to eat. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, we'd, we'd have these little pockets of time just in between when you were just on. Yep. And 
I imagine that I know for me when I'm really stressed out that can be a trigger. Mm, 100%. Yeah. That turned into a, a lot of that uh, the first year I'd skip a lot of meals and it showed up in, in, in that regard. Mm. Um, but burnout was the biggest thing for me in those mm. first couple of years, like fully burned out, not listening to myself, um, not speaking my truth a lot, mm. um, you know, not having the kind of business conversations that I should have had um, and letting a lot of those things sort of slide. But, yeah, and that's another, I guess, if you look at the, the burnout as a bit of a failure, all these things I look at as my in inverted commas failures um, or karmas, they're all, they've all become my biggest messaging in what I teach and when mm. I speak and whatever I do publicly. Mm. So the burnout, you know, my whole ecosystem is based around helping people not burn out. Yeah, and feel good and feel healthy, yeah. vital. Yeah. And so, burnout's like a one-way road to the opposite. So I think your, your, um, your, your biggest messes create your biggest opportunities for messaging as well. Oh, I like that you said messes. Mm. Failure, messes, mm. same ball game. Face plant. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Do, so would you say, I know we've spoken in the past about you having healers and we were talking about that mm. beforehand mm-hmm. as well and kind of like spiritual kind of coaches and life coaches. Have you or do use therapy as well like for that stuff or have you in the past? So this I can't express this enough. Like I do not know how anyone survives without, for me, my medicine is yoga and meditation. For mm-hmm. some people it's meditation and surfing or surfing or hiking, mm. whatever. Have that form of what's what's your medicine. Mm-hmm. And then I also don't know how we survive without the support of what I call for myself a spiritual A-team. So mm. I've got two two people in particular who are like my secret weapons One, and they're actually married. So I'm always cautious of saying this because I don't want to, like, tell too many people about them. But anyway. You don't need to say the names. You can just talk about them. Everyone knows that I have a therapist called Terry, but I will not give his details <laughs> out because he's retired, number one, and two, epic. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I hold on to them. So just, you can just use their name, their so first name. they're a married couple, Megan and Michael, and um, I, well, they're both kind of energy healers. They're mm. an amazing. They don't, they don't work together, mm-hmm. um, but so I see them separately. And one, I lie on a massage table and he kind of moves energy around me and he's also a therapist. So if I want to talk to him, talk through things with him, I do. And he sees or feels the energy and the vibration Mm. in my body and knows how to move that through. Mm. So that's really useful. And then his wife, she is 100% the reason why Smidge is around. Um, Mm. My period ever since anorexia was a bit skew-if, hormone skew-if. Um, I didn't really know if I was ever going to be able to conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an acupuncturist. She'd, uh, you know, a lot of Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. She'd give me herbs every second week or every month and um, that got me back on track. So, mm. And I talk a lot with her as well. So, you know, I think that this is all in my book as well, the importance of tribe. Mm. I think, you know, way back in the day we all had communities and we all had so much help and even raising a child, it takes a village. That's where Mm. the saying comes from. It takes a village. Whereas these days we're all so separate and to ourselves there's so many different ways to connect or it feels like there's so many different ways to connect. Mm. But why are people so lonely? Why are so many people committing mm. suicide? Why are so many people cutting themselves, hurting themselves like more than ever? 
So I think that's really important to be able to have people to lean on and let people lean on you as well. Oh, think, yeah, you're good at that. I think I had heard Brene yeah. Brown recently. She she recently did talk about trust. She's, mm. she's researching a lot about trust at the mm. moment and she said um, people are more likely to trust you if you also lean on them mm. for advice and to be trusted. So it's not just... Lola, I know that you really trust me with your stuff, mm. but you'll trust me more if I yeah, yeah. Um, trust you with my stuff. So yeah. it's a two-way street. Oh, I love that. Mm. I think as well we sometimes get caught up with being like as yogis and yoga teachers as like the healer. Mm. Sometimes that can, like you would know, I'm sure there are people that come to you after class and they're like, oh, my hip flexors mm. and they've got a you know, story, story. and you, you're there to help that. But it's it's when that, you've got to get that. that that's a very interesting dynamic and um, a tricky one as a yoga teacher to navigate because you are there to facilitate the movement of, you know, the, the asana, the pose, and also potentially hold space for healing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you are there for. But, yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's almost like it's in your personal life you don't want to fall into that where you're the kind of healer and everyone else, you want mm-hmm. that balance. That's what I've always loved about you. Like we always have these real, in your terminology, like juicy combos mm-hmm. and it's just about real shit mm-hmm. or what we're both going through or, you know. Um, it's funny you bring up the energy stuff because a lot of my conversations with my spiritual A team are around uh, sort of protecting your energy when you're teaching and, you know, this is mm. something that you would need to learn as well, you probably already do when you're teaching, is people can come to you with their stories, like you say, mm. and it's really important to be in a space where you feel grounded and in your body and not have to feel like you have to give yourself. Yeah. Um, you can still be compassionate and kind. Yeah. That's coming up for me a lot and just learning to work more deeply with the energetics, mm. in, not just in yoga but in life in general. And there's this, have you ever heard of Mama Medicine? No. Oh, my, Lola, look her up. Okay, great. You will love her. I wish I had a pen. I'm going I'm to text it to me you later. You will love her. So she's out of um, New York and she um, creates all these rituals. She, she gives people rituals for like like her big thing are, are baths. So oh, add wow. this to your bath. Epsom salts or rose quartz or like she'll have all different oh. recipes for baths oh. but she also sees auras so she does these like um medicine readings yeah beautiful and I was listening to a talk she's quite a businesswoman. Mm. I was listening to her talk the other day and she was saying that uh the most potent energy to be in and safe energy um to be in if you mm. want to protect yourself mm. is to be in the energy of love Mm. So to do that, you might think about your daughter, or you might think about Bosso, or do you know? In, and to Bosso be, loves that he gets so many mentions on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bugger, he called me right before you came up, and he was like, "Can you chat?" I'm like, "No, I've got Kate now. I can't chat yet." <laughs> okay, he got like one sentence from me. <laughs> We're thinking of you. We are. Um, yeah. So to be in the energy of mm. as often as you can. I think as well, like any time I used to get, when I first started practicing as a nutritionist, I've never talked about this, but I used to get psychically attacked. So I'd fall asleep at night feeling like someone was strangling me. It was like this, yeah. I'd you like, told me before. Kate's the lies of lit that lit that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And I remember I spoke to like a healer and I was always kept dreaming of, dreaming of reptiles. And I there was another naturopath that was really hippie and we were going through our studies together. And she was like, Shh. and I was like, oh, man, I had this dream last night. You were sitting the other side of a creek and there was a baby crocodile between us. And she's like, I'm talking to you after class. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? And she's like, you're dreaming of reptilian energy. Something's up with you. And I was like, and they were like, you're getting hooked by your clients. So mm. we, where we practiced at uni, we were next door to a mental asylum. And so you'd get a lot of interesting cases just by being next door to an institution that looked after very interesting souls. And I, yeah, I'd fall asleep. And, and the ritual that they gave me, one was always come from love. And if you have this feeling, just saying over and over your mantras, I love you, I love you, I love you. And by saying I love you to another, you naturally are saying I love you to yourself. And then they got me to burn frankincense and I had to burn it in like an old pot around my bedroom and then that stopped. Man, when you go deep with this energetic stuff, it's mm. like this, Big time. there's so much, not to like scare people or to, mm. but there's this, you know, the veil is thin. Yeah. The veil is thin between this world and the benevolent or whatever else is on the other side mm. that we're not necessarily, that most of us can't see but you could feel for people going oh god guys you've just gone on a like a astral <laughs> tangent speaking cosmically but i think for people listening that going can't relate to that come back to your intuition you only know, get that gut feeling mm. that's often a feeling bigger than yourself mm. like you know when you get or you'll see someone you'll get a feeling in your heart like the first time i ever filmed a documentary i was not even 21 and i my i could feel warmth in my heart on a physical level so I think these things, like, mm. that to me I'm like there is something bigger out there. Yeah. Not to digress too much but because this still very much comes back to energy, but you are a new mama, pretty new mama. So Alice has just turned one but also you're a stepmom pretty much, aren't mm. you? How does that feel and how does that, how did that, was that an interesting transition or? Yeah, it was interesting because... Um, my partner's son is 10, mm-hmm. but when I first met him, he was, what, eight? No, he was not. He was seven. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon it yeah. feels like about three years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been longer than two years for sure. It's gone very quickly. Um, so, yeah, a transition to into it really easy to begin with. He's a great kid. He's mm. one of those kids that's kind of good at everything and, yeah, he's around adults a lot, so he you forget that he's um, only ten years mm. old. It, you know, like it's challenging when you have a baby. You know, I'd be breastfeeding at night times when I would normally go into bed with Lewis and read him a book and that sort mm. of stuff. So, yeah, there were a few little rifts mm. when that um, came up. But I mean, I'm so lucky that mm. I have this other child that is in my life all the time, and he teaches me so much about myself. Oh, yeah around, you know, patience and self-worth and, you know, he's a 10-year-old. He's pushing the boundaries. He's pushing yeah. every button imaginable. And I've come into this half time. It's not like I've he's yeah. grown up with yeah. me always being around. So um, that one's an interesting dynamic, but, yeah, wouldn't change it for the world. It's, um, yeah, he's, I would say he's one of my biggest teachers. Oh, how cool is that? Mm. And quickly, it would be rude for me to not mention that, your partner, Andrew Johns. Am mm-hmm. I saying that right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Because I said, when I Wikipedia, there's all these nicknames. Joey. Joey, yeah. And because I'm from Melbourne, NRL is no. not where AFL. But he's like a 
he was like the king of NRL, like best player in 30 years, all that, like a big deal, right? I guess so. As, just, <laughs> as I say this, Kate's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like I remember, I remember this because I was training with my trainer, Dan, our mate, yeah. Dan Adair. Shout out to Dan Adair. P.S. Miss you. Come back from LA, please. Hey, Dan. He's incred. Um I was training and he asked about you and he's like, far out, he's training. He's like, how's Kate? And I'm like, mate, I haven't seen her for a couple of weeks because you, you and I, when I lived not in Paddo, we'd go a few weeks and then mm. kind of then have our little soul hangs and mm-hmm. then have our little catch-ups. And um, he's like, do you, know, do you know she's dating? And so Andrew was a, like hero to Dan. And I, I think he was like guy's hero from yeah, what I can understand. guys love him, girls kind of don't even know who he is so much. Ah, so yeah. he was, am I saying it right? Was he like iconic in the? Yeah, rugby league. Yeah. 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 So he played for Newcastle. Um, uh, yeah, so that that one was a weird one. That happened. How did you meet? We met through a mutual friend. So mm-hmm. I see give yoga lessons to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And mm-hmm. there was a guy there, Mick Crocker, who I'm still really good friends with. And um, we, were, we were walking Bondi to Bronte together one yeah. day. We'd always have really good love chats. Mick and I were talking about a girl that he was dating at the time who he's actually now still dating. We don't really call it dating. They're like full together. <laughs> um, and I don't think, I, well, no, I wasn't dating anyone. And um, we were walking through Bronte Park and, I saw Andrew and I kind of knew who he was and um, but I didn't really pay any attention mm. because I probably had not a great uh, perception of him. So I didn't really. Because he was known as a party guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Mick obviously talked to him and it started and he actually had a, um, a flyer in his hand for yoga and he's like, oh, do you do yoga? This is Andrew. And um yes do you know where I can do it and I said yes and I told him there's this place in Paddington I didn't say you know I co-founded oh, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and so we started coming to classes and I, look it really just started from there it was very sort of um that's pretty cute yeah it's pretty cute yeah oh, he doesn't so do cute. as much yoga now that he's got the girl but um and he's an avid surfer right but he, he obviously yeah he's so that's his that's his medicine is surfing yeah yeah I had to ask that. I'm like, I know someone will murder me if I don't ask that stuff. Like it's just I know it feels funny but then this day and age like you and that's the thing about you like when Dan told me that Mm. I was like, what do you mean? Like I, you never, you were just like I'm dating this guy. Mm. And also like I think when, you know, I hear you know, I've been to that many kind of events with him and, and you know, mm. football events and that sort of stuff and I, I constantly hear the accolades and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of them and he was remarkable and he's a remarkable human being but to me he's Andrew. Yeah. And so it kind of feels <laughs> odd when Kate hearing says that to face kind of goes like deadpan, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's just he's just Andrew, and he's like me. He's got his shit. He's got his stuff going on. Yeah, but who does it? He's human. He's um, yeah. Oh man, thank you for thank you for asking that. So just he's to awesome. just to go back to the not to the start or anything like that, but like the the wonderful but scary Pandora's box that you opened earlier on. Now fast tracking, so that was like the teen years, mm. boarding school, and then times of stress it would be easy to kind of be triggered again yeah. but not fully in it. How does that then feel now? Yeah, it feels way better. Like if I feel about – if I kind of feel – and whenever you ask me this and you and I have this thing, like yeah. how's your heart? Yeah. If my heart around it, it feels a lot lighter. I won't lie. 
there are times that I want to revert to it as a coping mechanism. Same here. There by are the way. times, it's, it's, and and like when you have anorexia, and anyone who has had some kind of eating mm. disorder, you know they say that they are um, they say that they are traditionally very hard to cure because if you're addicted to heroin, you stop taking heroin. Mm. If you're addicted to alcohol, you're not allowed to drink alcohol. Mm. You have to eat to survive. Mm. That's why they're so hard to cure. So it's a daily process of checking in. And that's why I also say thank God for yoga. Thank God for meditation. Thank God for my spiritual A-team. Mm. Thank God for my supportive um, friends and family because without them, who knows, I could be dead. Mm. Um, so it's a daily check-in. Um, but it's been a really long, sickening, literally hard at times lonely, dark, dark road. I think when I was yeah. single at one stage, um, it was it was hard because I'm living by myself mm. and there's no one watching me. Yeah. So, I've found I'm worse when I'm by myself. Although I think I'm going to be better, I'm definitely worse when mm. I'm by myself. Isn't it funny that um, I was reading this book recently that said that interpersonal relationships, that's where you do all, that's where your healing mm. happens. It's very easy to be single. It's very easy to be, not, not that being single is wrong and that you can't choose that for yourself. Because mm. for some people that's just the best way totally to be. Yeah. But for me all of my healing and all of my stuff comes up and I'm confronted with everything when I've got someone right there, be it a boyfriend, a friend, mm. family. But that is you. You are someone that connects. I believe that that's innately within your heart. Mm. You thrive off being connected. Uh, and I I love when we did do that trip to Uluru and that's why I say to you, like, I remember when you were like, I said to my boyfriend at the time, you were like, oh, I don't feel good around this today. And it's empowered me because I'll say to my boyfriend, like I said at the start, mm. like I'll be like, I feel shit about food today, dude. And he's like, right, how are we going to handle this? Mm. How, how are we going to do this as a team? Whereas I've used to being, and I'm the same as you, I'm used to kind of hiding it and yeah. dealing with it. And why do we hide it? Because shame, shame, and we want, for me personally, I wanted to seem perfect yeah, you know, everyone was, especially early on in my career, everyone's looking at me, I'm a yoga teacher, oh, she mm. must have a really healthy diet, she mm. must be, you know, spiritually on her A game. Fuck. No, yeah. this is why we do it. This is yeah. why we practice yoga. This is why we meditate because we're a fucking mess if we're not. Yeah, it's like your self, your form of self-care. Like that's a, that for you I feel is a non-negotiable. For me it is too, but mm. like yogs and meditation is like... So you do 20-minute morning, 20-minute night, mm. right, Brady? That was a game changer. Oh, we, tra- we trained under the same dude. Did you train under Leroy? No, uh, Kind of. Well, Leroy trained under Jackie, who I learned yes, from. Yes, got The you. broad place. Yeah, got you. Did, was Leroy? I or thought he was friends? Johnny. I thought he was no, Johnny Pollard. Yeah. Same, all same. We're talking of. all the meditation bigwigs <laughs> right now in Australia, if you're listening Shout in. Shout out to Leroy. <laughs> oh, amazing human being. Quickly, uh, again, I digress, but... um. I do want to, there was one failure you mentioned before and it was that you were engaged. Yeah, so. I remember this story yeah. from ages ago. Please take it away. Please. Okay. Please. And, you know, I would hate for this person to to listen to this and think, oh, okay, right. But 
actually, I thank you so much. Mm. You know who it is if you're listening. I thank you so much. And we're both so much happier. I know that he's got a child now and he's hopefully really happy. And awesome. So, um, yeah, there was a guy who I was with for a couple of years and um, I think I just started teaching yoga. No, I'd been teaching for a couple of years mm-hmm. actually, but I was still having trouble with the whole using my voice thing. Mm-hmm. I was still struggling with the eating stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, um, I felt, always felt intuitively, you know, you're talking about that gut mm. feeling or feeling something in your heart. I always felt like he was hiding something from me. Mm. Just goes to show that when you're not not honest with yourself, other people aren't going to be honest with you either. But I sensed that he wasn't being faithful, mm-hmm. and we went on this trip to Bali, mm-hmm. and um, we went to a beautiful island called Nusa Lembongan, beautiful. And he'd organised this day of um, diving with the manta mm-hmm. ray, and I remember the day so clearly because we got to the manta ray, and I was both really excited and so scared mm. so scared at the idea of diving in with yeah huge they're ginormous aren't they yeah. yeah huge yeah so we get in are they gentle by the way they look really placid and gentle they're gentle yeah and we get in and so in the beginning you sort of at the surface and then you get a bit more confident and you go down and down and down and then you look up and you can just see these mammoth mysterious manta rays just circling mm. above just like whole what do you call them school let's call them a school of manta ray mm. and it's quite profound it yeah. was thinking about it now i get the hair sticking up it was it was profound mm. anyway we kind of had enough of that and we're swimming off a little bit and we came out of the water and i remember looking at him and i went holy shit, he's going to ask me to marry him oh. like I, I didn't know what was going to happen until i knew in that moment i hadn't mm. thought about it and he did mm. and I just remember looking straight through him wishing that I was a mermaid and that I could swim away because my whole body was a no. My mm. heart was a no but I was too afraid to voice it. Mm. Why? I was afraid that I'd ruin a trip, that I'd hurt his feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of those things. And, and there was probably a part of me that was like, oh, what if though? And the funny thing is, Lola, I never said yes. Never said, it was the weirdest thing. I never said yes. I so made up all these do? excuses like, did you ask my dad? No. Well, let's wait till you ask my dad. And just so I came up with all these excuses. In that moment, though, when you look through him. No, we're on the boat on the way back. Well, he, he knew that something was up and he held me and he said, I'll never hurt you. And my whole, I was just scared. I was scared. Mm. Anyway, I don't know how it snowballed into this, but we had an engagement party. And then a couple of weeks later, I asked him again, was he faithful? And he finally mm. told me the truth. And that was it for me. So he cheated on you. Yeah. And How's I sense that, that it intuition? wasn't I sense that it wasn't the first time. You know. Mm. You know. Mm. A woman, I feel, if they really like maybe you can lie to yourself and push it down. Mm. But I was feeling enough at that time to know that that I knew it was wrong. So that was a massive failure slash learning slash magic moment for me in you know what, in not being clear in that moment, mm. not only did I hurt myself but I hurt him in ultimately as well. So it was a great lesson in speak your truth, be plain, be simple, be direct because when you're not direct, look what happens. 
this is going to be really deep what I say now and, and could offend some listeners, but you know how you feel like your journey has been, am I enough, I'm not enough, I'm not a this, like going into a relationship feeling like you're not enough and then projecting that, mm. like that could on an energetic level that could be like the playing field for where cheating can happen because your energy is I don't really love who I am and mm. I, I don't believe that I'm enough for myself or you. So for myself or anyone else, I'm absolutely not blaming you. I don't condone cheating. I think that it was probably a scumbag to do that. But on an energetic, very spiritual yeah. level, like... I agree with you. It's cr- like I, I know dating people as well. I'm like I ask for that because I actually have low self-worth so they're going to yeah. treat me like shit worth. Like, yeah. I knew from the beginning that he wasn't right. Yeah. In fact, some of my two best male friends, mm. <laughs> one of them was a bit gentle about it and the other one was really direct. Mm. I love that. So my friend Carl, I don't know if you've met him. <laughs> He's from Manchester and I won't even try to do it in his Manc accent. <laughs> but he said he called me after meeting him for the first time. Oh, my God, I feel like such a bitch talking about this. But anyway, I don't think you'll ever listen. And he said, are you fucking kidding? And then my other best friend. So he was not a fan at all. He was like, what are you fucking doing? This is not going to work. Yeah, and, and then my other bestie, Maka, said, I just don't want you to settle. But oh, I didn't need wow. them to say that. I knew. Wow. And, again, this is not. Good mates, by the way. They're the real deal. Yeah, and we all go through things and we all have our moments of, you know, being in our ego like maybe he was at the time, but. And you and I, I know we've had this conversation before and I will still argue on it, you on it. I think at our core, I think everyone is good, whereas you would say, I know we've said this before. Some people are dingoes. Some people are not nice. Yeah. 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 But I think at this person's core. The pessimist in the room. <laughs> I think at his core, my ex-fiance, he's a good person. And yeah. I know he's, and he's got yeah. a good heart at his core. Yeah. There were just a few layers. Yeah, yeah, and life lessons and whatnot, totally. And. You're a much kinder human than I am. I like as soon as I'm wronged, I'm like, see ya. Mm. But like, mm. I, I get very uh, fierce for some reason. Don't know why. But I think, I think I would now that I have grown up a bit and I do understand this concept that yeah, people are good, and then shit can happen and affect the way that they are that isn't true to themselves. Mm. And I can understand that that maybe would have been what your X yeah. was in totally. So I think it was magically freeing for him what happened as well as for me. So I can't believe we're almost at time. How crazy, how fast has that gone? Goes quick. So quick. I said with such goes quick, Lola. <laughs> so I knew it would go quick. Um, I love that. Um, for somebody, so two things I'd love for you to speak to really quickly. So for someone that doesn't feel like they're enough or is struggling with any element that could be linked back to self-worth. So it doesn't need to be eating. It could be um, perfectionist in other ways. Mm. What would your, like, little nugget of advice be for someone that's just like, oh, fuck, I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy with the way I look. I'm not happy with the way I am. I'm like, and, and they're kind of quite hard on themselves. Mm. Uh, okay, so I would thank that part of them that is so striving mm-hmm. because I think that if I didn't have that <clears throat> discipline that I talked about when yeah. I was anorexic and know how to redirect it, I wouldn't have had the hustle to create a business or e-courses or write a book totally, or do anything that I really wanted to do in this world. So thank it for that and then find ways to redirect that those 
perfectionist qualities into things that you're really passionate about. Um, seek help, talk, try and take the shame out of it. I think talking about it, talking about it was, has been hugely, hugely healing for me, especially over the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, it sounds so, uh, you know, everyone says it, but fuck, just learn, learn to, to love yourself and to mm. be easier on yourself. Go easy. I like that. I think, like, you beat yourself up so much. Well, I do. And then I even hear myself say that. And, you know, I used to hear people say that to me and therapists say that to me. I'm like, but I don't fucking know how to love my. How do you love yourself? Yeah. And I think it's something that happens gradually. It's in the little things like, you know what, I'm going to choose to take that bath over go on a Friday night instead of going out every Friday night and annihilating myself. Yeah. Or I'm going to choose to go to yoga instead of hang out with toxic people who yeah. gossip and bitch. You know, just totally. it's, this, it's the small little things. I love this. And you've just opened up my last little thing and that is obviously yoga is your passion. You love a bit of yogs and you teach a beautiful yogs class with your namaste oh. goggles at the end, which has been my favourite thing that Casey you should flick. What would you do? You'd put, little, you'd put your hands like, I'm doing it. So what am I doing? Um, so you bring your index fingers and thumbs together. It's something we used to do after flow after dark, which are the yoga silent discos that we yeah. do. So you bring your index fingers and thumbs together yeah. um, and then you sort of turn them upside down. Oh, and it was really strong for the wrists and you put them oh on. Oh, my God, I can't. I know, it's hard for the wrists. <laughs> you type a lot. So cute. I'm going to get a photo of her doing it so you can see it. I'll put it on Insta. Uh, so for those people that uh, either are people of yoga or they've been to a yoga class and it wasn't quite for them because there's different types of schools and studios, um, what is one just little pinch of advice to dip your toe in the yoga pool? Mm, well, maybe first of all, I'm not dogmatic about it because I don't sometimes just, you're just not into yoga and that's mm. fine. We can find out yoga. We can find out medicine. To me, in anything, to me a yogi is someone who in some way practices presence. Mm. Like yeah, we're yogis just for having this connected conversation. We're practising yoga just by connecting to each other. Mm. You're practising yoga when you do something really kind or you're really compassionate to someone else. You, you, This is such a yogic act. You're giving me this beautiful rose quartz crystal. Mm. Um, so first of all, that you can practice yoga. It's not connection. Just, yeah. I love that. And then if you wanted to dip your toe in or you weren't sure – you kind of just got to try a few things until you see, you find a teacher that you resonate with, a studio that resonate with. There's so many online programs as well mm. that you can do. I um, love that. Just try it and try it on until it feels good mm. and connect. Yeah. You're awesome, Kate Kendall. Thanks, Lol. So are you. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. You're amazing. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lola Berry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, and comment. And of course, spread the love. Mm-hmm.